one of these times we're going to turn both you guys loose and see who can play faster. <laughs> I think you could take him, Dave. <laughs> All right, take your Bibles tonight, go to Philippians chapter number three, and if you're able to stand tonight, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Philippians chapter number three, we're just continuing our journey, and uh, even though we're going through a book in the Bible, really this, this book is like our life. It's a journey in life as a Christian, and uh, God wants us to have joy as we journey through life. Uh, I meet a lot of Christians, but I don't meet a lot of happy Christians. And uh, folks, look, I know it, it's raining, but guess what? Who sends the rain? God does, right? We should be thankful for all things, right? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, right? And you might as well just enjoy the Christian life, you know, and there's just a lot of times things we have to deal with, but you might as well enjoy it and uh, rejoice in all that God is doing. And so the, the title of the message tonight is Once Lost, But Now Found in Him. And how many of you remember what it was like before you got saved? Has it been that long that you forgot, right? And I hope, it, I hope you always remember what, where you were and how the Lord picked you up out of that miry clay, right? Set your feet upon a rock, establish your goings. He put a new song in your mouth. And aren't you glad that God has done His work in your life? Boy, where would we be without Jesus, without the grace of God? It's a wonderful thing to be a Christian. And all God's people said, amen. amen. I just want to make sure I'm in the right place tonight, all right? And so tonight we're going to read uh, from verse number 4 down to verse number 9. And so let's read this together in Philippians chapter number 3, beginning in verse number 4, down to verse number 9. All right, here we go. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but for loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Boy, you talk about loading both barrels. That is some packed verses right there. Uh, there is a lot right here, and with the Lord's help, you pray for me tonight. But I, I hope that you came tonight to get something from the Lord. And certainly God has it for you tonight in his word. And let's have a word of prayer. Ask the Lord to speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, thank you for this time. Pray that you bless the reading and the preaching of your word. Lord, help us to not have something preoccupying our minds. Lord, help us to be focused. We're in your house. God, speak to us tonight by your Holy Spirit. Show us in our lives some areas that maybe we need to change, God, that you want to change. Lord, help us to realize that we are in Christ, and it's all because of what he has done for us. In Jesus' precious name, we ask this. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Thank you for standing. 
Now, as we've been going through the book of Philippians, we got through chapters 1 and chapters number 2. When we turned the corner last Sunday, we moved into chapter number 3. We continue that tonight as we see Paul last week give a very, very strong warning about these false teachers. And folks, listen, we have to, in our day, in, in the day that we live in, we have to understand there's a lot of false teaching in the world today. Churches today, instead of being heralds of the truth, they are declaring things that are untruths, that are, that are doctrines of devils that are leading people away from God instead of helping people understand that Jesus loved them so much that he gave his life that they could have eternal life someday. And it's very important that we see the warning that God gives us through the Apostle Paul, these false teachers, these Judaizers, like many of today, you know what they're teaching is, is that you can be saved by what you do instead of what Jesus has done for us. We call that works-based salvation. The Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. For by grace are you saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Folks, Jesus would not have had to come and to give his life so that we could go to heaven someday if we could do something in and of ourselves. But we understand that in Paul's day and in our day, there are people that are still propagating that you can do this, that you can pay this. Listen, you can even go to this church and you can go to heaven. Uh, you know, I grew up believing and was taught that if you, if you kept the sacraments, that if you partook of those sacraments, that in and of those sacraments was salvation. Listen, when I was sprinkled as a baby, the only thing that happened to me was I got wet and I got upset. That's the two things that happened to me when the priest decided that he wanted to sprinkle me. Look, folks, if, if we believe that, then we could have just held service outside this morning while it was raining and all of us would have been baptized and all of us would be saved. But we know that salvation is in a person and his name is Jesus Christ. And Paul is, is testifying of that, how that there is nothing in the law that can save a person or keep a person saved. Did you hear what I said tonight? There is a necessity of the law, but listen, all this thinking about works-based salvation, what man can do when Jesus said it is finished. It's all done. God's way is complete. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse number 3, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Listen to what it says. The Bible says in Galatians chapter number three, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster. Now watch what God says here. The schoolmaster, the law was to bring us unto Christ. The law pointed us to who Jesus was, and it says that we might be justified, not by the law, but by faith in Christ. The Bible says there, after that faith has come, we are no longer under 
a schoolmaster. Now certainly, look, the law, when you look in the Word of God, what do you see? I know what I see. I see all the flaws in my life. I see where I fall short of the glory of God. Just like this morning, I hope that you got up and you looked in the mirror. And if you did, you went, whoa, bedhead, you know? You're like, oh, I've got stuff on my face that shouldn't be there. And, and uh, you know, some of us will take makeup and all kinds of things to cover up all those blemishes. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. When you look into the perfect law of liberty, when you look into the Word of God, you see that we all fall short. There's none righteous, no, not one. So the law is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. The law cannot save, Jesus saves. Are we all on the same page tonight? Listen, folks, we have to understand that so many today believe that you can do this, that you can keep this, that you can give this, and that if you do, then you are saved. But the Bible says that all of that is contrary to the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I love when we get to Philippians chapter number 3 because Paul begins to share his own testimony. And folks, look, don't ever underestimate the testimony of your life and the work of God that he has done in and through your life. A lot of times people think, and Brother Chris has been going through uh, this matter of being a better witness, being a more effective witness, and it's important that we understand and we know the scriptures that we can take people. The Bible tells us that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God is important because as people hear God's word, they realize their need of a savior. But I can tell you this, if you don't know, as oftentimes it's called the Romans road, many times if you just would share your testimony of what God has done in your life, how God has changed your life, every one of us has a testimony. Every one of us can share about the grace of God and the goodness of God that led us to repentance. Folks, share the testimony that God has given to you. And that's what Paul does here tonight. It's amazing how God allows him, notice first of all, to share a resume of the past. And when God began to work in my life and, and I, I didn't realize the, the Lord was directing me back out into the pastorate, and when I finally came to grips that that's what the Lord was wanting me to do, I, I remember going to my wife and I said, you know, I, I think what I need to do is I need to, I need to make a resume. You know, we've got a couple college students here tonight, and, and when you get to a certain point in college, right before you graduate, every college I've been to, what they do is they encourage the young people, put together a resume, because they have, they'll have folks that will come by, recruiters and other things, and, and what they want you to do is give them your resume about things that you've done in the past. Now, I remember when I was young, my resume looked like I worked at McDonald's, you know, don't laugh about McDonald's because that's where I met my wife under the golden arches. That's a, that was a good place. But I remember about my resume and, and as time went on and, and then when God began to work in my heart about coming here to Florida, listen, before I even knew this is what the Lord wanted, I said to my wife, I said, I don't think I've made a resume, Brother Kenny, in about probably about 12, 15 or longer years. And I, I, I had to sit down and think to myself, now, what have I done? Where have I been? You know, 
I've got to make this look good because somebody, somebody might want to hire me. Somebody might want to know a little bit about me. I remember Brother Kenny, he, I wouldn't want him to ever look over my resume because, man, he grilled me when I called this church. He's like, well, let me just ask you a few questions. And he just started firing stuff off at me. And I thought, wow, who is this guy, you know? And uh, he was doing his job. You ought to be glad you've got a guy like that that, that just loves the Lord, wants, wants, wants God's will, and he had to settle for me. But, but he still was trying to do his best. But, but here's the thing is, is that Paul began to share his resume. Notice that he had, like many of us, Paul had a past confidence. Look at verse number four again. Look what it says. Though I might also have confidence in the what? In the flesh. Now, boy, that's where a lot of people are. You know, it's, it's, it's what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. That's the way most of us are, is the fleshly com, uh, confidence that we have. What Paul was saying, like many of us, is been there, done that, got the t-shirt, right? That's what Paul was saying. Look, I've done it all. I've been through all of it. Paul begins to tell them of all the things that he had done. Look, Paul even told the Corinthian believers in 2 Corinthians 11, seeing that many glory after the flesh, Paul says, I will glory also. In other words, boy, I used to be a big shot. I mean, I've done it. I've been around the corner. I've accomplished this, and I've done this, and I, I used to have that. Paul says, look, I had a past confidence, but my confidence was in the flesh. And like many of us, secondly, he had a past religion. Look in verse number five. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law. He says, I was a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, Touching the righteousness which is in the law, Paul says, I was blameless. Boy, I mean, you talk about credentials. This guy, look, folks, honestly, if you wanted to win, you wanted this guy on your team. I mean, this guy knew no boundaries. He did what he had to do to accomplish what he... Now, again, we all understand he wasn't on the winning side, right? I mean, he was doing what he was doing against the work of God. But nonetheless, Paul had a confidence in the past, and he had a religion. Notice, as he mentions here, he says he was circumcised on the eighth day. Now, what's important about that? Well, Paul immediately jumps into this resume, talking about his past religion, and he starts with the fact that he was circumcised, which was one of the major issues of the Judaizers of the day. He mentions the eighth day, and the reason he did that was to show that he was not a Gentile convert that was converted to Judaism, that he was a true Israelite, that he wasn't someone that was converted. He was a true Israelite underneath of the law. Now, we understand this. Salvation, as we know it, does not come by any religious right. It doesn't come by any religious right. Look what the Bible says in Romans chapter 2. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the what? The heart. Now watch, look what God says. In the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So we see here, Paul says, look, 
I need you to help, I need you to understand a couple things about my past. My past confidence, my past religion. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day. But notice the second thing he says, I was of the stock of Israel. Now, why does he mention this? Because he was an Israelite by nationality, by race. Salvation, we understand, does not come by nationality. And it does not come by race. The Bible says in John 1, 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. See, salvation, to be born again, means to be born from above. It's the work of God. It's not the work of men. It's not by any race, any nationality. Paul says, look, he says, I was of the stock of Israel. Notice thirdly, as he's going through his resume, he says, I was of the tribe of Benjamin. Now again, salvation doesn't come by rank. It doesn't come by rank. Look at Romans 2.11. There's no respect of persons with God. The Bible says in Acts 10.34, Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. doesn't matter if you're the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe of Judah. Understand that salvation does not come by rank. And we find here that Paul says, well, look, look at the next thing. He says, I was of the tribe of Benjamin. Then he says, I was an Hebrew of the Hebrews. Now, this statement was interesting because Paul was saying that in the purest sense, I was a traditionalist. In other words, many people keep the traditions of men. Uh, We find a lot of churches today are very ritualistic. They have their traditions of men. But what does the Bible say? It says, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such things like things do ye. Paul says, look, he says, I was keeping the traditions. I was doing what my forefathers have done. But look, salvation does not come by tradition. Notice the next thing he says. He says, I was a Pharisee. Now, this word here is a great definition of what Paul was before he was saved by the grace of God because this shows here that Paul was so passionate about his religion, if I can put it that way, that Paul became a super conservative person, a super conservative person. Now understand that Paul says that he was a Pharisee. He says that he had had kept the law. Now, when you look at the law as it's described, the Pharisees actually had developed a system of laws and their laws, many times we talk about the Ten Commandments, but the, the system of laws that they had actually contained 613 laws. 613. I mean, they had a law for everything. And look, as you look at that, that system that was developed, what it produced, and this is what you need to see is, what's the outcome of a system of laws? Here's what it produced. It produced a heartless, cold, and arrogant brand of righteousness. That's what it produced. Why do you think Jesus dealt with the Pharisees of the day the way he dealt with them? Because they were heartless. They were cold. They were indifferent to the things of God. And by the way, if you study it out, here's what you'll find about this religious system. Jesus actually rejected it. He says, listen, this is something that is not of God. It is of man. And we know that salvation does not come by religion. 
Now, that's exactly what Satan in this world has done, is they have created many religions of the world today. And you've heard it yourself, right? All roads lead to heaven, right? I hope you haven't believed that lie. But as I mentioned earlier, Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, the Bible says He saved us. Did you catch what the Bible says? You can't save yourself. Well, how did He do that? Look at the verse. By the washing of regeneration and by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. See, it's the working, the inner working of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. And Paul says, look, I was before I got saved... I was a Pharisee. I was very passionate. I was very conservative. I kept the law. Yet we know what the Bible says. If you've offended one point, you've offended the whole law. No one can keep all the law. And you think about how many laws that they had in that system of 613 laws. And Paul said, I was a Pharisee. Notice as he continues with his resume, he said, I had great zeal. Don't get me wrong, I'd love to see people that have great zeal for God. But remember, Paul wasn't a saved man. He's talking about his past, and he, he, he talks about, and you see in the Word of God, where Paul persecuted the church. And Paul was thinking to himself that he was actually finding favor with God, persecuting these people that, that really were followers of Jesus Christ. Look what the Bible says in Acts 22 and verse 3, he says, I am verily, by the way, this is the third time that Paul has shared in the book of Acts his personal testimony about the work of God in his life. He says, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers. And notice the phrase, was zealous toward God, as ye are all this day. And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Now, did you catch that phrase there, those two words, the way? He's describing Bible-believing Christians. But he was, listen, he was zealous in his mind toward God. He thought that what he was doing was of God. Can I tell you, folks, that salvation does not come by sincerity. There's a lot of people that are very sincere. A lot of folks that I've I've known from my past, even some family members, they're very sincere, they're very devout in their beliefs. But salvation does not come by sincerity. Look at the next thing that he says, and this is the last one. When he gives this resume about his past, he says, I was blameless. He's talking about being blameless in the law. And I mentioned a minute ago that Paul, look, as best as he could as a man, he was careful to try to keep the law. Outwardly, Paul looked great on paper. I mean, he he practiced the law. But again, salvation does not come by legalistic living. You can't keep a certain list and go to heaven because you keep that list. James wrote in James 2.10, Whosoever keepeth the whole law and yet offended one point, he is guilty of all. Romans 3.20, Wherefore, by the deeds of the law, 
There shall no flesh, no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. That's, you know that's why people don't like to read their Bible? It's because when they read their Bible, they see the flaws in their life. They see how they fall short, and they, they don't like that. People don't like to be reminded of their sin. Listen, every child of God ought to realize that when God is showing us something in our lives, He's doing it because He wants us to be more like the image of His own dear Son. If we are saved, then we are to be a Christian. And Paul says, listen, I can tell you, as he testifies here to those in Philippi, he says, look, you have to understand, I know all about these false teachers. You know why? Because I used to be a part of that. He says, I've got a past. Anybody else in here got a past? <laughs> I think we all do, right? Paul said, I had a past competence, and it was in my flesh. It was in who I was, where I've been, all the degrees that I've earned. He says, I've, I've been there, I've done it. He says, look, I had a confidence in my flesh. And Paul says, I've, I had a confidence in, in my past religion and what I was a part of. And then notice as he moves on in this chapter here, he then shares, secondly, a reckoning of the present. Paul says, look, that was my past. And by the way, the past is in the past. Amen for that, right? Aren't you glad? Folks, look, if it was that good, we would have never left it, right? And, and he uses the word here, and I love the word reckoning. You know, well, I reckon. Anybody else from the country just like to use a word like that? I, I reckon. He, he has, shares here a reckoning of the present. And look what the Bible says here in verse number 7. It says, but, notice he's, he's talking about all those things that he did, his resume. He says, but what things were gained to me? In other words, what I got out of life, all the things that I enjoyed, all the things that I was a part of, he says, what things were gained to me? He says, I counted loss. For who? For Christ. He says, they were gained to me. But he said, they were a loss for Christ. So I want you to notice tonight, he was counting the loss. The word count here means to consider, to take account of, to think about. As an unsaved man, Paul began to see all the gain in his life. And, and now he's looking back and he sees it all differently. He counted it as a loss. All of it has no value to him in light of what he, or should I say we, have gained in Jesus Christ. I mean, folks, look, we, uh, we have benefited from the Lord Jesus Christ, have we not? I mean, you think about all that you have today. Listen, if you are in Christ, then we are joint heirs with Jesus. You know what that means? Everything that's his is yours. Folks, you might not have a lot of money in the bank, but guess what? You're rich. You're rich in the Lord. We have a lot to be thankful for. The, the Lord has been so good to us, folks. It, look, you can't take this world's wealth with you, but I'll tell you what you can do. You can enjoy the splendors of heaven someday. You will spend all eternity with the Lord and all that Paul's flesh had produced. It, look, when Paul began to realize he considered all that Jesus has done for him, it kind of reminds me of a story I was reading. I thought it was a great illustration of Paul counting the loss. 
there were two men and they were out duck hunting and and the one man had his friend with him they were kind of out in the open land in southeast georgia and one of the men noticed that there was some smoke off in the horizon and he began to hear some crackling and and realized that that the wind began to shift and and he realized that there was a brush fire that was coming directly at the two of those hunters it was coming so fast that he had been out there in the woods he realized look as fast as that's coming with the wind shifting the way it did there's no no way that we can outrun that fire so he began to kind of rifle through his gear he began to look through his bag and all of a sudden he pulled something out of his bag it was a book of matches he began to strike those matches and throw them on the ground he lit a small fire all the way around both of these men the other man was looking at him he figured well he must know what he's doing before long the two men found themselves standing in a circle of blackened grass the earth below them was dark black and and they're standing there and they're waiting for this fire to come and the fire did as it just about reached them they they both had some clothing, one man had a handkerchief, they put it over their mouths and they, they, they got down and they braced themselves not knowing what was going to happen. The fire came near both of those men and it swept right over them and they were unhurt. The fire would not pass where fire had already passed. And understand tonight that the law, the word of God, the law is like a brush fire. We can't escape it. But if we stand in the burnt over place, the Bible says not one hair of our head will be singed. You know why? Because the death of Jesus Christ disarmed that fire. Jesus made it possible. And Paul says, look, he says, I counted that loss. But then notice what he does. He continues in verse 8 by counting the gain. See, look, he says all those things were lost. But look at verse number 8. He says, yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win what? That I may win Christ. Notice here, he continues and he uses the word excellence. He's talking about something that is superior, something that surpasses everything that Paul had in his past. Paul says, look, I'm not looking back going, boy, I wish I could go back there. I'm not looking back saying, I wish I still had that, or that I was still a Pharisee, or that I still had all that power over individuals. Paul was saying, look, he says, all those things in my past, he says, I've abandoned those achievements for something that is far superior. And what is he describing? He's describing what you and I hopefully have tonight, and that is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul said, I wouldn't trade any of that for Jesus. You can have all this world's wealth. Just give me Jesus. That's what Paul's saying. Look, he counted the loss. But he continues by counting the gain. Look at Matthew 13 and verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found how many pearls? One pearl of great price. There's a great story there, folks. Great truth. 
He went and sold all that he had and bought it. You know what? Look here. You know what our salvation is bound up in? One pearl of great price. And his name is Jesus. You see, it's not Jesus plus this. It's not Jesus plus that. It's Jesus plus nothing and Jesus minus nothing. The only way that we can be saved. Paul says, look, he says, I look back on my past. I've had a lot of things that I've done. I've been a lot of places. I think a lot of us can, can identify with that. And Paul says, look, he says, I look back and he says, it was all lost. He says, when I got saved, he says, none of that stuff matters to me anymore. Isn't it interesting how your values and your views change when Jesus comes into your life? The things that you used to value so much, they don't really matter anymore, do they? You find the only things that matter are the things of God. Paul says, look, he says, let me share my resume with you. And then he, he, he makes a reckoning of the present. But notice as he finishes tonight in our passage, he reveals a righteousness which is in Christ. Go with me in your Bibles. Go back to verse number 9. Look what it says here. The Bible says, and be found in him. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. What does the Bible say about our righteousness? It's filthy rags, right? There, look, you and I are not righteous. After we get saved, our righteousness is because of what Jesus has done for us. When God looks at us, you know what he sees? He sees the blood of his own dear son. Aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus Christ has atoned for our sins? And so Paul reveals this righteousness which is in Christ. Notice he's talking about that he was positioned in Christ, that we are in Christ. He says that we're not in Christ because of our own righteousness. That was one of the problems that the nation of Israel had was they were trying to keep the law and they were trying to establish their own righteousness by the law. Look at Romans chapter 10. They being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. In other words, no one complies perfectly with the law of God. No one does. Look at James 2.10. Whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. In other words, you have to keep all of it or none of it. And so Paul says, look, the righteousness that I have, it's in Jesus Christ. And he says, I am positioned in Christ and that righteousness has been provided by the Lord Jesus Christ also. Look at Romans chapter 9. He says, Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it, look at the words, they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. They're trying to be right in their own eyes. The Bible says, every man did that which was right in his own eyes 
trying to keep the law. But the Bible says, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. Love that word in the Bible. It says, as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him. Folks, the Bible is clear. It is talking there about the Lord Jesus Christ, that God has provided for us that stumbling stone, that rock is Jesus Christ. And it's only through His righteousness that you and I can be right in the sight of God. Only through what Jesus has done. Look what the Bible says there in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. For He, God, hath made Him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Folks, it doesn't get any more clear. You, you cannot get around the fact that we cannot be right in the sight of God without Jesus Christ, without what the Lord has done for us. Why in the world, and Paul's describing this here, why would somebody want to carry the burden of religion when the blessing of salvation has been made freely available to all through Jesus. But yet so many people live their lives burdened down by religion. Why would those who are already righteous in Jesus Christ labor to in some way develop pride in their own inferior righteousness? You know what comes to my mind? The song that we sing often, and I don't think we think about it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a what? A wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. Sometimes we say that whenever we're witnessing to people. Is we'll say this, you have to get them lost before they can be saved. You know why? Because like Paul, who was Saul, they have a past confidence. But perceive many folks you'll talk to tomorrow, this week, their confidence isn't in the past, it's still present. They have a confidence in their flesh and in their religion. And folks, if someone doesn't show them what the Lord Jesus showed Paul on the road to Damascus, they will die in their sins. But God's given us the answer, hasn't He? And the answer is still in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, ye shall know the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I think that Paul knew what he was talking about when he says, I once was lost, but he says, now I'm found. But here's the key. I'm found in him. It's all because of the work of Jesus. I hope that you appreciate what Jesus has done for you. And if you're here tonight, you don't know Christ. What a wonderful opportunity God's given you to come to know him tonight as your savior. Let's bow our heads tonight. Let's stand with our feet, heads bowed and our eyes closed as we stand tonight. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the confidence that we have in you and not in ourselves. 
Thank you for giving your life that we can have eternal life. As we look back over our lives, no doubt many of us, at one time or another, put great confidence in our accomplishments, our abilities. Lord, I pray that we would be anchored in the fact that our confidence today is in you, that we would not be trusting in what we can do. And we're thankful that our righteousness is because of what you have done for us, that we are in Christ. Lord, if there is someone here tonight that does not know you, that today would be the day that they would receive the gift of life, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In his name we pray, amen. With our